Thank you for listening to the East Bay Bible Fellowship Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. For more information and service times, visit us on our website at www.ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. Book of Exodus chapter 25, verse number 8. Amen. Everyone say amen when they are there. Exodus 25 and 8. Don't forget, if your name begins with the letters A through M, we will see you here Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Book of Exodus chapter 25, verse number 8. Say amen when you have it. We've been preaching out of this chapter, and we will continue to do so for several weeks. Here we go. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And I want to talk to you today on the church in the wilderness. The church in the wilderness. Jesus, we love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. We pray, God, that you would speak to us today through the preaching. And I pray that we would apply our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As many of you know, the last two weeks we've been here in Exodus 25. Israel has now been standing for some time at the foot of Mount Sinai. God has spoken to Moses and told him that he is to take up an offering. The offering is not so much just money, but it is also materials and fabrics. And these will go into assembling what is known as the tabernacle. And the lesson we had two weeks ago, we talked about how that it is so important for God's people to invest in places that minister to our two-part nature of body and soul. Whenever you find a place as a believer that ministers to that two-part nature of you, the body and the soul. It is your job to invest in that place. It is my personal opinion, amen, that there are only, uh, that there are only a very few places that actually do that. And for the sake of tonight's lesson, we will only be talking about the church or the sanctuary that we call the church. Amen. This place, amen, that we call a church ministers to our spirit and to our body. Amen. It ministers to the person that God created in his own image. And it also ministers, amen, to us in ways, amen, that are truly unmeasurable and unfathomable. Amen. But here, Exodus 25 is a perfect place to start regarding, amen, these concepts. While many people spent countless and really, in my opinion, fruitless hours dividing the New and the Old Testament, we understand that everything in the Old Testament, including those things that we are not ob obligated to practice, still teach us something about the nature of God. And the nature of God does not change. We may not have to worry anymore about mixing wool and fabric, but we have to stay, amen, focused on the fact that there's some kinds of mixing that God doesn't like. Praise God. Amen. And this eighth verse of Exodus 25 teaches us why God would have any interest at all in a physical 
sanctuary. God tells Moses to encourage Israel to bring an offering so that they can assemble a sanctuary where he could dwell among them. While God may have manifested his presence in and around the tabernacle, the objective was to dwell among his people. The people were the purpose, not the building. The congregation and the construction of it uh, and everything else that went into it was to teach people the value and the virtue that accompanies physically, spiritually, and materially applying yourself to the act that we call worship. Every time they broke down that sanctuary and rebuilt it so that God's presence would dwell among them, amen, it was teaching them, amen, about the importance of a relationship with God. All those efforts that went into it, amen, were not just irrelevant and meaningless. They were meaningful and they were meant to convey a strong message to the people, amen. And we're supposed to learn from these things. I want to remind you tonight that God referred to this group of people, amen, as the church in the wilderness in the book of Acts chapter 7 and 38. A lot of people don't think of Israel in the wilderness as a church, but that's exactly what God called them, and that's exactly what they were. How could I call them a church? Easy. Number one, they were called out of Egypt, or what we would think of as the world. Number two, they passed through water and were overshadowed by the Spirit. Number three, they lived differently and distinctly, not just from the Egyptians that they had left, but from all the people that they were surrounded by when they left Egypt. Praise God. Amen. They had a pastor and a ministerial staff. They had commandments and a law and a word from God. And they had a sanctuary. The purpose of all these things was to support a place where God could dwell among his people. It is true. Uh, it is true that today God dwells with and in the life of individuals. But it is equally true that God desires a corporate fellowship and assembly. A lot of people these days will tell you, I don't need to go to church. I think the most common phrase I hear today is, amen, I'm spiritual, just not religious. Amen. You know what that lets me know? You are confused. Praise God. Because if you know anything about God, then you understand that God desires, amen, for his people to come together and to assemble and to worship in a congregation form. Praise God. Amen. And those of you parents that have more than one child, you'll know what I'm talking about. Any good and loving parent with more than one child, amen, receives incredible joy from having all their children with them. Amen. Any parent that has more than one child knows that there's just something, amen, in your heart that wants them all to get along, all to get together, and for you to be there to witness it. And that's exactly what God wants. I hear a lot of people talking about, I'm a child of God. Amen. Amen. Whether or not I go to church, you might be a child of God, but you ain't God's only child. Praise God. God has several children, and he wants them all to get together, and he wants them all to worship, and he wants them to love one another, to get along. Amen. And he wants to be there in their midst to see it happen. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. 
in our prayers, in our fastings, in our thoughts, and through our actions. We spend countless hours every day telling God what we want. And we should because God tells us to do this. I was just talking to somebody today and I said, you know, as a parent, nothing would anger me more than to know that my child, amen, needed something and never bothered to ask, amen, and went about some immoral way of getting a hold of it. Praise God. You parents know what I'm talking about. If your child needs something, you want them coming to you first about it. And so God's not bothered. I get, I get people tell me, Pastor, I'm worried that, that maybe sometimes all I'm doing in prayer is asking God for stuff. Amen. That's all right. We're supposed to ask God for stuff. God wants you going to him. Amen. And asking him for things. This doesn't bother the Lord. But it's time that we begin to apply equal amounts of energy to asking ourselves, what does God want of us? Amen. Hallelujah. It's all right that we tell God what we want as long as we take even amounts of effort and energy and asking ourselves, what does God want? You know what God wants? God wants to dwell among us. Amen. Isaiah 7 and 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. John 1 and 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Later on, John will tell us that that word became flesh and what did it do it dwelt among us Romans 9 and 5 says whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came who is over all God blessed forever amen the very purpose of the incarnation the very purpose of Jesus amen coming in the flesh was so that God might dwell among us First uh, Timothy 3 and 16 tells us great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. And what did he do? He dwelt among us. Uh, he preached to the Gentiles. Praise God. And then he was received up into glory. I want you to know that God's greatest desire is to dwell among his people. Amen. The reason we got this church is so that God can dwell among all of us together. I know God's at your house. I know God's in the car when you go to work. But let me tell you something. God's here at 2167 Harbor Bay Parkway when we all get together. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 It's not that God's, it's not that God's interested in the walls. No, no, no. When we leave, he leaves with us. And the minute somebody opens that door to come pray, he's, he's here. Praise God. Amen. He wants to dwell among us. It is his purpose. It is his drive. It is his passion. Amen. Ever since Exodus, ever since the garden, praise God, ever since Genesis, all the way to Exodus, all the way to Leviticus, to Numbers, to Deuteronomy, amen, to First and Second Chronicles and Kings, amen, all these books of the Bible, the one thing you find is God trying to dwell among his people. So the question we need to ask ourselves tonight, what can I do to ensure God gets what he wants. What can I do? God wants to dwell among us. So what can I do? See, we don't ask ourselves this a lot. What does God want? I want to dwell among you. 
So what can I do? Well, the answer is rather easy. Be part of the church. <laughs> Be part of the church, yeah. Yeah, see, we, we, gotta, we are living in a generation and in a time where people don't believe that they need to do that in order for God to dwell among them. And I'm just telling you, when you refuse to be part of the church, and we're going to talk about what that means, when you refuse to be part of the church, amen, hallelujah, you are saying, I am not interested in giving God what he wants. Because when you are part of the church, you are helping, you are, you are giving God the desires of his heart, amen, because he desires to dwell among his church. Praise God. That's what he wants. I know, I know you want a car. I know you want a house. I know you want money. I know you want all these things, a husband, a wife, a child. I know you want all these things, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But after you're done telling God what you want, you need to ask him what he wants. And I believe that if you'll do that, you'll hear him say, I want to dwell among you. Praise God. And I want you to be at the church, and I want you to be part of the church. I didn't say I want you to be in the building because you can be in the building and not be part of the church. Praise God. He wants you to be part of the church. Hallelujah. Yes. Come on, somebody. He wants you to be part of the church. Amen. Hallelujah. In the same way that Israel in the wilderness and later the church of the book of Acts obeyed the call to come out of the world, you should come out of the world too so that God can dwell among us. God's not going to dwell in a, in a worldly church. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. Praise God. Amen. In order for God to dwell among his people, his people need to come out. God's not trying to share us with Egypt. God's not trying to share us with Babylon. God's not trying to share us with the world. We may have to live in these places. We may have to pay taxes to their kings. Amen. But the one thing God does not want us to do is to get into their systems. Amen. And to fall into their flow of thought and feeling. Praise God. Hallelujah. We don't don't listen to their music. We don't sing their lyrics. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. We don't wear... We don't wear clothes the way they wear them, praise God. We don't do the things they do. We don't use their speech, praise God. We, we don't go where they go. Kids, we don't play the games they play. We don't read the comics they read. We don't read the books they read. We just do things differently. Amen, hallelujah. Not for the sake of being holier than thou. Not for the sake of being high and mighty. But for the sake of God dwelling among us, praise God. And we do this to the best of our ability, praise God. Ain't nobody perfect pastor's not perfect. The usher's not perfect. Amen. The musician's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Praise God. The newest convert's not perfect and the most seasoned saint is not perfect. But what God is looking for is a desire that says, I want to please him. I want to do what he wants me to do. And I understand that in order, amen, for me to fulfill God's desire, I got to come out of Egypt. Hallelujah. And I got to build a place. I got to support the place where his presence dwells. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a hand, praise. Hallelujah. You got to pass through the water and the spirit. Hallelujah. 
Amen. That's what they did in the wilderness, and that's what they did in the book of Acts. Praise God. We make a big deal around here about baptism. Praise God. Amen. In the sake, you you gotta you gotta come through that water, praise God. And you gotta come through that water in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. And 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 praise God. You gotta receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We don't believe, amen, that you can have one and not the other. We don't believe that you can just get two out of three. You must repent. You must leave Egypt. You must have the blood applied to all the doorposts. Praise God. You got to have that repentance. You got to have that water baptism. You got to get that Holy Ghost. Praise God. Come on, somebody. You got to get that Holy Ghost. Amen. If you want God, amen. And I'm just going to tell you right now, we're going to be preaching that around here until Jesus comes. Amen. Because I want God to dwell among us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, come on. Let's praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want God to dwell among us. And if I stop preaching that, please leave. You know why? Because God's going to be leaving. Praise God. And don't you stick around and don't you think about going to a place that don't preach this message. You might have a lot of doubts and concerns in your life, but one thing you never have to doubt is whether the Acts 2.38 message is accurate. Brother, you read your book of Acts, which is where we see the activity, the behavior of the church. Praise God. It is the prototype. It is the foundation that we are built upon of the apostles and the prophets. And when you read in Acts chapter 2, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. When you read in Acts chapter 8, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. When you read in Acts chapter 10, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. When you read in Acts chapter 19, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Paul was baptized in Jesus' name. Peter was baptized in Jesus' name. And don't you listen to nobody that says baptism doesn't save you. Peter said it very clearly himself. He said, in the like manner doth baptism now save us. He said it's identical to the waters, amen, that saved Noah and his family. Had those waters not fallen, amen, Noah and his family would have been destroyed by, by that wicked generation. In the same way, baptism saves you. That's why Peter himself said, save yourselves uh, from this wicked and untoward generation. He was making a reference back to the book of Genesis where Noah said, I'm going to build an ark because the waters are coming and those waters are going to surround me and those waters are going to wash out all the evil and what's going to be left is a new man. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Amen. You got to go through the water and you got to get the spirit. And there's not 10 ways to get the Holy Ghost. There's not five ways to get the Holy Ghost. There's not three ways to get the Holy Ghost. There's only one way to get the Holy Ghost. This is not me making this stuff up. Amen. Those same chapters that we just all quoted, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, and Acts chapter 22, those are not just the places where they got the Holy Ghost, where they got baptized in Jesus' name. Those are also the places where they got the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You go back and you read it. Wherever the water fell, the Spirit came right behind it. It happened every single time. That, that ain't apostolics making that stuff up. That's God. That, that is the only living document we have of the behavior and the activity of the early church. Amen. And that, see, you got to understand that the apostles were practicing what Jesus preached to them in the gospels. And the gospels, Jesus told them, you are to go 
Luke 24, verse 47, you are to go into all the nations and preach repentance and remission of sins in my name. And Mark 16, 15 through 16, he told them, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. Amen. Before that, he told them, he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. He said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Some people said, you just got to believe to be saved. That's not what the scripture says. He says, if you believe, these signs will follow you. Hallelujah. He said, in my name, hallelujah, they'll cast out devils. In my name, they'll speak in other tongues. Come on, somebody. This is Bible. The apostles heard Jesus preaching these things. And in the book of Acts, they put what Jesus preached into practice. Amen. They understood what he was saying when he told them, go out and baptize people in my name. And they're going to speak in tongues in my name. And that's why the apostles, the Bible says that with great boldness, uh, amen, they preached. Amen. And you know what the first prerequisite to receiving the gospel is? Amen. Hallelujah. A joyful heart. Or as, as King James says it, gladness of heart. The people that heard this over and over again, the book of Acts said, and they received it with gladness. Hallelujah. This is good news, folks. This is good news. And you ought to want to, you ought to, when Israel left Egypt, they went through the Red Sea. And the minute that, you know, a lot of times we talk about the Red Sea, but the Red Sea is only half the story. The minute that water split, a column of fire, a column of fire followed them. And the Bible says it was light to them and darkness to the Egyptians. It doesn't surprise me at all when somebody sees the Holy Ghost lighting up this place and they think to themselves, y'all are crazy. What are you doing? That means it's working. Praise God. Because when you're not saved and you're not, and you're not on the other side of the column, praise God, and you're not on the other side of it all, you don't understand. You look at your relatives. You say, man, she, man, we used to be cool until she started going to that church. Amen. You look at your cousin. You're like, man, he was an all right dude. Amen. Until he started going to that church. Now he speaks in some language and I I know he don't I know he don't know another language praise God amen they don't see it it's darkness to them praise God but to us it's light to us it's what gets us through the day through the week through the month through COVID through the economy through come on and it's what's going to get us to heaven praise God you got to preach like this if you want God to dwell among us yeah Amen. If we want God to dwell among us, we got to do what they did in Exodus, and we got to do what they did in Acts. You know what they did? They lived differently and distinctly, not only from the world they came out of, but from the people they lived around. You see, a lot of times, people make the initial change, and they live differently than the world they came out of. But then there's the next step. There's the next step where you don't live the same because see what happens is, and I'll, I'll just give you a small example. You get cleaned up. You get cleaned up. But that doesn't mean now you can start telling clean, dirty jokes. <laughs> yeah, you know, you get called out of the, the you know, the, the bad life. But that God didn't, God didn't call you out. And I've seen this happen so many times. People get, people get cleaned up, blessed. Washed by God. And now they have this new being. And they give, they give that new potential. That new 
power, that new self, to some endeavor that has nothing to do with God. Now they're finally cleaned up to become the professional basket weaver they've always wanted to be. But God didn't save you for that. God saved you for his glory and for his purpose. And so I don't, I'm not going to live like basket weavers either. I, I'm, I'm not going to live like vatos or basket weavers, praise God. I'm not going to live like thugs, amen. I'm not going to live like a drug addict. And I'm also not going to live like the, like, the, like the golfer or the basketball player. I'm not living like none of those, praise God. I'm trying to live how God told me to live, praise God. And I'm also not going to live like the religious people around me, praise God. I'm going to be apostolic from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Praise God. I'm not saying those other folks are bad people, but I'm not Baptist. I'm not Methodist. I'm not Episcopalian. Praise God. I'm not Assemblies of God. Amen. Praise God. I am. Hallelujah. The church in the wilderness. Hallelujah. I am. Praise God. Apostolic. I am. Pentecostal. I am. Acts 2, verse 38. I am. Acts 2, verse 30. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody. You know, you know what a lot of people don't even realize? You know what a lot of people don't even realize? How much all the latest and trendy hot preachers are stealing our stuff. Praise God. Plagiarism. Plagiarism. Word for word. You got to do something when you ain't got fire. You got to do something when you ain't got the real thing. Bootleg preaching. You got to do something when you stop going... Amen. Into the prayer room. You got to do something when you read Acts 2.38 and you decide that you're not going to obey it. You got to do something when you know that getting the Holy Ghost means you'll speak in tongues, but you're not receiving that. You got to do something. So you know what you do? You steal from them that obey. Can I preach to you that the Lord told them on the Passover, this group of people here in Exodus 25, he said, you'll take the blood of the lamb. And you'll apply it to your doorpost. A lot of people believe they put it on the outside of the door. They did not do that. Because he said it'll be a sign for who? For you. And for your children. If somebody told me that something was to be a sign for me and my kids, why would I put it on the outside of the house? I'd put it on the inside where me and the kids live. Lest you and your kids live in the front yard. And I'll tell you why God wanted that blood on the inside of the doorpost. Because God didn't want Egyptians thinking that I could just do what they do and get the same results without the devotion, without the consecration, without the promise, without, come on somebody. And God said, we ain't, we ain't playing religion around here. This is life and death. This is eternity. You are to do this. You are to teach your children to do this. You are to do this wholeheartedly. You are to do this with your whole mind, soul, and spirit. And I don't want nobody just copying this. I don't want people just thinking that they can, that they can emulate, that they can, that they can, that they can just mimic, amen, and get the same results. It don't work like like that you might be able to mimic apostolic preaching but you can't mimic apostolic results you might be able to copycat pentecost but you ain't gonna get you no pentecostal results praise god amen i'm telling you i feel the holy ghost in this house i'm telling you you ain't gonna get the same results praise god as a man and a woman of god that have dedicated their life to teaching bible studies to preaching the gospel flat-footed to telling people that they do got to change by telling people that they do got to put down the bottle that they do got to 
put down the skimpy clothes, that they do got to shut off the television, that they do got to straighten up. Praise God. You ain't going to get the same kind of results telling people that they can just come to church and play patty cake for Jesus. It ain't going to work that way. If you want apostolic results, if you really want the death angel to pass over your house, amen, you're going to have to live that death angel pass over my house kind of life. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Somebody might be thinking, man, pastor's really preaching up. Pastor is preaching up. Because if you haven't looked outside lately, Jesus is coming soon. Praise God. No, Jesus is coming unexpectedly. Praise God. I don't know that we're going to be here much longer. And I don't know that we're not going to get fined for being here. And I don't know that some of us may not get drug off to jail. So I might as well preach good to you. Praise God for the next phase that we're. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Come on, let's praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want God to dwell among us. I want God to dwell among us. And I'm not just trying to live differently than Egypt. I'm trying to live differently than everybody around me. While I'm wandering in the wilderness. While I'm on my way to the promised land. I'm not, gonna, I'm not just not trying to live like the Egyptians. I'm not trying to live like the Philistines, the Canaanites, or anybody else. I'm trying to be God's unique individual. God's special people. God's royal priesthood. God's chosen generation. Somebody say praise God. If you want God to dwell among us, you have to be part of the church. And like the church in the wilderness and like the church in the book of Acts, you have to have a pastor and a ministerial body. Amen. Amen. Thank you, all four of you. Praise God. Amen. You, you got to have a pastor. And I'm not talking, you know, I'm not talking about like a token pastor. Like somebody you just kind of call pastor, but you don't, you don't mean it. And I've, you know, we've been here now almost five years. Let me just tell you something. I'm not interested. You could build a church running people's lives. There's all kinds of folks that do not know what to do. There's all kinds of folks that like being told what to do. And I'm telling you right now, you could build a church really quick just telling people what to do all day. Some people, you know why? Because we like to, we like to outsource responsibility for our actions anyways. Listen, I done hustled enough people on the street to tell you you could hustle in church too. And you could hustle folks. And you could go and find you a bunch of people that don't want to make decisions for themselves and that will gladly allow you to make decisions for them, to tell them what to wear, to tell them how to wear, to tell them where to go, to tell them where not to go, to tell them how to talk, to tell them, hallelujah, we could build a, we could build a little church full of, full of peer pressure, amen, where you, just, where you just feel pressure to line up and be like everybody else, amen, but I'll tell you what you'll end up doing, you'll end up harboring secret sin, you'll end up harboring legalism, you'll end up harboring all kinds of wacky and quacky doctrines, praise God. I believe in preaching competence, not control. Praise God. I'm going to teach you the word of God. You're going to have to make decisions for yourself. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to cultivate your conscience. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to say from the depths of your own heart, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me, praise God. But I'm going to tell you something. You, you are going to need somebody to preach 
preach to you. You're going to need somebody to teach to you. You're going to have to have somebody in your life that you recognize as the spiritual leadership in your life. Praise God. You need a pastor. Praise God. You need a pastor's wife. Praise God. Your children need a youth pastor. Praise God. Your children need a Sunday school teacher. Praise God. You come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And guess what? The you just got to have it. You just got to have it. That's not my design. Amen. Because I probably have an aversion to it. But that's God's design. That's God's design. And you can't just have you a pastor in mouth. Unfortunately, some people don't even have that. Some people don't even have that. But. Other people have that, but just in word. And they look at the man of God, they'll call him pastor. But that's about the extent of it. That's about his preaching stays at the church. His messages go unheeded and unheard. And I'm, t I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, we, this church needs a pastor. This church needs a ministerial staff. It needs Levites and priests and prophets and evangelists. Praise God. Hallelujah. We need, we need people that, 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 that have committed themselves without fear or favor to the things of God. Everybody doesn't need to be a preacher. Amen. Hallelujah. But, but I will say this. Everybody needs a preacher. Everybody needs a preacher. Praise God. And I've said it here before and I'll say it again. If I'm not your pastor, praise God, go get you one. Go get you one. Go get you one. If you don't like me, go get you one. Because you ain't getting saved. Praise God. Without a pastor. Praise God. Go get you. I'm, you know, I'm not so cocky and so arrogant as to think that I'm the only one that can pastor you. Praise God. Amen. Any good, God-fearing, prayerful man can pastor you. But you need to realize and be God-fearing and prayerful that you need a pastor. Praise God. You need a pastor. you got to have a pastor. Oh, come on, let's worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. We have to obey the commandments if we want God to dwell among us. Amen. You know, God has a word. God has a word, a sure word. The Bible calls the Bible itself a sure word of prophecy. I heard a young preacher one time say, I'll never forget it. He said, he said some of you are waiting for me, amen, to, to read the word of God. He said, you're getting a word right now from my mouth. I thought to myself, you were deranged. You were confused. Nothing that comes out of my mouth or any other man's mouth will ever supersede what's written down on paper. I'm telling you, this word is highly exalted. The Bible says, the, the Bible says he, is, he has exalted his word even above himself. Do you not know that God sticks to his word? The Lord said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. 
And Esau, knowing that he had a promise from God, when, when, when Jacob had already swindled him, he told his father, he said, I know that God, amen, does not just have one blessing. He said, I'm asking you to bless me anyways. The Bible says Isaac began to shake, and he said, my, 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 you're right. Carnal got it right. And he invoked a blessing over Esau, and that blessing remained. Not because Esau was a good guy, because he wasn't. God hated him. But God loves his own word. And God said, I'll still bless you because I said I'd bless you. What you do with that blessing is what you will be judged on in eternity. But the Bible says that God does not repent. And God is the highest ethical and moral being in the world, in the universe, in the cosmos, in existence. But that word, you got to read that word. The Bible says, the entrance of thy words bringeth light. You got to read that word. You see, your brain and my brain, it has, it has like a bedrock. It has a, it has a foundation in it. And every time things start coming into your emotions and your mind, you talk to those things from your bedrock, from your foundation. But a lot of times, our foundation's messed up. And so we end up going through life with all these, come on, you know you do it. You be arguing with people in your head all day. I'll tell you what I'll tell her, and you start all the things. Wake up in the middle of the night swinging. Driving down the car, driving down the street in the car, get all depressed, full of anxiety, worry. You know why? Because your foundation's cracked. And you're talking to all these feelings and emotions that are common to all of us, but you're talking to them out of the wrong foundation. You got to get to the you got to get so much word in you that when the devil starts talking, when anxiety starts talking, when depression starts talking, when anger and frustration starts talking, when your enemy starts talking to you in your head, when you start fantasizing all these things, you start talking out of a different foundation. And the answers now coming see a lot of people are not ready for this part of spiritual warfare and that is the part where you have to talk back and some of us have been so conditioned and so primed by our upbringing by society and by whatever and by our by by the tragedies that have happened in our life that it has never occurred to us some of us have actually been conditioned to think that it is wrong to talk back and in some cases it is wrong to talk back but when we talk about the spiritual realm everybody better everybody better get their warrior gear on everybody better lace up their boots you ladies you better put your hair in a bun and get ready to talk back to the devil praise God amen and you gentlemen praise God don't you be passive amen hallelujah and limp-wristed inside the prayer room and in the spirit realm because in there every single fight counts and in there amen you are fighting for your soul and when the devil talks you got to talk back but you can't tell him what you feel you can't tell him what you think you can't tell him your opinion you got to talk to him from the word of the Lord you got to talk to him you praise God just as soon as we can we're going to get our kids doing Bible quiz and praise God we're going to have these kids shooting out scripture praise God amen hallelujah I'm telling you I want our children to to be rapid fire Bible quoting amen scripture slanging hallelujah amen young people praise God it'll keep them saved hallelujah it'll get them it'll 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 build the right foundation let me just tell you something about your carnal mind. It reboots every morning. 
That thing just reboots. You'll come to the church Tuesday, pray, cry, prophesy, speak in tongues, and do the interpretation. And then Tuesday, wake up, just try not to cuss. <laughs> not me, but maybe some of y'all. <laughs> why? Because the carnal mind just reboots. This is why the Bible says to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. But you don't renew your mind with Dr. Phil, Dr. Laura, or Dr. Seuss. You renew your mind by the word of the Lord. You get your mind. You know, I'm just telling you right now. There are people out there that think that there's all kinds of sophisticated methods out there with dealing with the human mind. Can I, I don't even have time to get into all this. I remember in the late 70s, there was a man. He was a former CIA agent. This is, a, this is not conspiracy theory. Pastor don't got time for all that stuff. There was a man, there was a man who was a CIA agent. He was, he, he was hired, amen, to help people whose conscience bothered them. And they would do these, this, this electrical treatment. They'd shock people. Every time they had a bad thought, they'd shock them. And in some cases, their, their goal was to actually shock them so bad that they would lose their memory. And there are people still walking around the United States of America that, have, that, that had this treatment. They don't remember anything. And while they were sleeping at night, he would make them listen to a recording that said it over. And you, you got a lot of these, uh, you know, multi-level marketing people. They, they, they still do this, you know. Before you go to bed, you got to listen to these, like, positive reinforcement stuff. You know, you are a great salesperson. You will win. You're beautiful. You're good enough. You're smart enough. People like you. They're still doing that. But that's, they get it from this guy. And he would make everybody listen to people. He'd, he'd make these people listen to this, to this voice of his in this recording. It would go over and over at night. I am at peace with myself, and I am happy. And you know what happened? Nothing. The people were not at peace, and the people were not happy. And the electrotherapy just left them crisped, crispy, extra crispy. Can I tell you that before I came to God, I was, my, I was, I was dropped off at the therapist's office and at the, and at the psychiatrist's office. And you know what? They didn't help me nothing. My, I guess I don't even care if I'm boring you at this point. I'm on a roll. I know, I know you got to go home. Praise God. I know some of y'all want to tune it off. Praise God. Go ahead and listen to this because we're talking about God dwelling among us. My father has, has a master's degree in biophysics. Just recently, he even went and got an additional degree in psychotherapy just, just to fool around. But I have a sister that died. I had a sister that died several years ago. She died in a car accident. And my father became extremely depressed. He told me, he said, I started going to therapists. And he himself already had a lot of knowledge in therapy and all these things. And you know what he said? He said, no matter what they said, no matter what I knew, he said, there was a, there was a hole in my soul. We couldn't, we couldn't get there. Couldn't get there. 
Oh, but can I talk to you about a God? Can I talk to you about a word that he's exalted above himself? Amen, that it'll get there. It'll get there. There are people walking among us that have such dark and morbid past, but you'll never know it. And guess what? In many cases, they don't even know it. Hallelujah. They have to remind themselves how bad there is. And if you'd ever be able to have a candid conversation with them, many of them would tell you, you know what? I still get thoughts, but it's like a whole different person. I feel totally detached from it. You know why? Because there is an experience and there is a word and there is a spirit, praise God, hallelujah, that gets a hold of the people of God and it cleans them up, praise God, and it washes them, praise God, and it, and it, and it rejuvenates and renews their minds. Don't downplay the word of God. If you want God in your life, get that word flowing. Somebody say praise the Lord. Next week, we're going to talk about this, but I'm closing. If we want God to dwell among us, we have to support the sanctuary. That's right. We have to support the sanctuary. Because he dwells among us when we are in the sanctuary. And we must have a place to assemble. I am not preaching this because we're having a hard time paying the bills. That's not why I'm preaching this. I am preaching this because it's Wednesday night and we're in Exodus 25, verse number 8. But I am telling you, I am telling you that I am absolutely sick of Facebook posts, Instagram posts, tweets, of people talking about their religious liberties being violated and they have never financed or supported a church in their life. They don't tithe, they don't give offerings, and they're all worried about who knows what. I'm like, bro, you ain't never been in the game anyways. You ain't never even been in the fight. And if you were, you ain't in it now. And the only people that should really be concerned are the ones that are invested. Uh, you, you know, I'm going to get a little political here. I'm sorry, not sorry. The biggest problem we're having right now are politicians that are not invested. They are not invested. They don't have, they, they themselves have never been in the military. They have never been a police officer. They don't know anybody that's in the police. They're, they, they're, and they're, 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 they have no skin in the game. They'll send everybody else's son to war and don't know the loss that people suffer. Telling cops to just stand by while people loot, steal, shoot, and kill. Don't put your skin in the game. They live in bubbles. They have political careers. Their whole life, they've, they've lived pampered and away from society. I'm just at the place in my life where I want a weatherman that sticks his head out the window and tells me what's going to happen. I'm tired of these bubble people. These bubble people. Come on. I'm talking about the bubble people. <laughs> you know, you got people trying to tell you how to raise your kids. Don't even have kids. Bubble people. Bubble people. I'm tired of this. 
If you ain't got skin in the game, just keep quiet. Just keep quiet. And those who have skin in the game, pray. And those who have skin in the game, speak. And those who have skin in the game, act. And those who have skin in the game, amen, keep having skin in the game. Praise God. You know what? We are living in a day and an age where everything is on the line. I'm telling you right now, everything is on the line. Our, our 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 medical's on the line. Our civil rights are on the line. Our pres, our nation is on the line. Everything is on the line. Your health is on the line. Your faith, everything is on the table right now. I'm telling you, if there's ever been a time where everything is on the line, everything is on the line right now. Praise God. And you don't want to be listening to bubble people. You don't want to be a bubble people. Praise God. You need to be one of those people that is invested. You want to be one of those people. I'm going to tell you the real truth. I've never said this, but I'm going to give you a Pentecostal pro tip right now. If you want to avoid backsliding, one of the best things you can ever do is invest and give to your church financially. Because I'm telling you, you won't be so quick to leave. Amen. God bless Brother Jacobo back there. Hallelujah. God bless him. But I'm telling you, he, he painted this sanctuary. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling you, before he leaves, and he ain't leaving, praise God. <laughs> before he leaves, he'll think about that. <laughs> and the first day he came, he came into this sanctuary with his daughter, I let her know, this is your church because your dad. Your dad made this his church, and this is his inheritance, and this is his blessing to you. I don't know how you see church. It's my blessing to my children. I count this. I count these painted walls, these baptistries, this drum set, this keyboard, this, this microphone, that camera. Praise God. These chairs. You bought these chairs. These are your chairs. You buy you a chair. Trust me, you'll think twice before leaving. You might ask for the chair, but you'll think twice before leaving. A lot of folks don't realize... And I'm talking about probably the smallest side benefit of being financially invested. It helps you stick around a little long. I know people that are mad at everybody in the church, but they put so much money and work into it, they ain't going nowhere. (laughs) Hate everybody. But they painted that wall. They gave to that children's revival. They helped put up the purple and the pillars and the golden letters. <laughs> Ain't got that here. You don't know. God. I'm talking about the church in the wilderness. Praise God. Let's all stand. You know, I don't even know why I'm going to say this. I might get in more trouble. You know, some people are like, you know, they're always, well, what about financial transparency? You know, in regards to this verse, in this chapter, the, the, the Bible says that Moses told the children, bring an offering. You notice he didn't tell them how much? He never told them exactly what to give. He said, you bring it. That is the financial transparency. They knew what they were giving. And they knew where it was going. Because if they gave curtains... And there was no curtains. We know everything we got to know. You know, you let me know. You let me know if you see anything around here that's not nice. You let me know. If, there's, if, if we run in cheap. 
And it ain't that we're trying, we ain't trying to impress nobody. Sure. But what we're doing is number one, we're giving God our best. And number two, we're trying to be financially transparent. We'll, we'll find the best curtains we can. We'll get the best keyboard we can. We'll have Brother Jacobo pro shine the pulpit. Looks good. This thing glows. Yes. Yeah. We'll go out and try to get the best chairs we can find. It ain't, it ain't a competition. That's right. It's an act of worship and transparency. Let's lift our hands and worship. I feel a presence of God here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, there's nothing like the work of God. There's nothing like the work of God. There's nothing like the church, praise God. There's nothing like God's people. There's nothing like God's word. There's nothing like living holy. Hallelujah. Do you feel that way right now? Do you feel that way right now? Hallelujah. There's nothing like the book of Acts, praise God. There's nothing like revival, praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Brother Jesse, lead us in worship. Hallelujah. Thought I was worth saving. 